Hello and welcome to the Happy Baby Podcast. My name is Rose Kelleher. I was a nurse and a midwife and I am now the manager of Cork Children's Clinic. Today I am talking to Laura Guckian of Mind Mommy Coaching. Laura is a mom of three and is a qualified and accredited life coach and mentor for moms. She specialises in helping moms at all stages of motherhood overcome the challenges of modern day parenting to achieve personal and professional well-being and success. Hi, Laura. We're delighted to welcome you to the Happy Baby podcast today. Why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and how you found yourself working in life coaching? Hi, Rose. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So, yeah, a little bit of a background on me. So my name is Laura Guckian. I am a mum to three little people, a little five-year-old boy, a two-year-old boy and a seven-month-old little girl. And I am also a qualified and accredited life coach for mums and the owner of Mind Mommy Coaching. So to maybe <laughs> take a, mom. I'm a busy mum. So to maybe take it back a little step, I think it's it would be nice to explain where Mind Mommy Coaching came from. And it was yeah. very much born from my experience of motherhood in the first few years. So my first little boy, Leo, who is five years old now, when he was yeah. born he had severe silent reflux. For anyone who doesn't know what reflux is or silent reflux, they might be thinking now, oh, you know, was that a little bit of colic or how bad could that have been? Any parent that does know what it is, they probably have a pit in their stomach right now, whether they're in the middle of it or have experienced it. So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, essentially, you know, it is a digestive challenge in the form of silent reflux. It means acid is constantly coming up and down their esophagus. They are in extreme pain. And the consequence of that is for for Leo, he was crying literally 24-7. You know, we couldn't do simple things like bring him for a walk in his buggy. Pram couldn't lay him down, couldn't put him in the car. He was refusing feeds. And all in all, I suppose we can get into it more more later on, but it was an extremely challenging time for me. So as a mum, I was like, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. This is really hard. Why is nobody talking about this? And, you know, even the silent reflux aside, all the other parts that come with being a first time mom, the sleep deprivation, the change in identity, just the lack of what to do as a mom. Like we're not yeah. given a guidebook. And it's I a just transition, though, isn't it, Laura? I, th- I don't think anybody can really prepare you for what it's like to become a mom. You can read the books, you can talk to friends, but the actual reality of it is never ever what you expect no it's not and I think I think one of the main challenges with that is as you said there we can read the books we can do everything but a lot of what we do actually read it portrays this very false narrative of what motherhood should be you know we don't see that image of the woman who is experiencing postnatal depression of the woman who is so, so sleep deprived she's crying her eyes out you know yes of the woman who has lost all sense of her identity and doesn't know you know who she is we don't see that what we see is the lovely shiny and I worked in marketing for 12 years so I get why <laughs> this happens the lovely shiny woman mm-hmm. in heels with a pram yes <laughs> and I mean for me I couldn't even take my pram out not to mention have heels on so yeah. I think there is a very false narrative of what a good mum should be or what motherhood should be. And therefore, for many women, when we become mums, it's this sort of conflict of, wait a minute, that's that's not what I told I was told it would be. 
And I think we have... And I also think as well that when mums are not exactly as they thought they would be, they actually think they're failing themselves. Yes. You know, they don't think it's the narrative is wrong. They think it's something that they're doing, that maybe they should be like this and they're not. So it must be their fault. Exactly. That is exactly how I felt. It was sort of Mm. a case of, why am I not enjoying this? Everyone else is enjoying it. Why am I feeling so low? Why am I so Mm. anxious? Why won't my baby stop crying? And one of the biggest challenges was every doctor I brought Leo to, I was told you're not winding him right. And this was consultant pediatricians, Rose. This wasn't, you Mm. know, I was told I wasn't winding him right. And he was three months old by the time we had him diagnosed. And it was just horrendous. It was really horrendous. But after that, I had a very challenging, I would say, few years. It, It really knocked me that experience. And it really took me a long time after that to sort of pick myself back up and rebuild my life because that's exactly what I had to do my life had essentially fallen apart and I remember in my darkest hours of those days I thought why is there nobody out there who is talking about the challenges of motherhood not just from the perspective of taking care of a sick child but in general and why is there no one helping us and in that moment I made a promise to myself I will be that person so when I eventually put my life back together I left my career in marketing, which was a really, really scary decision. And I decided to study and become a life coach. And even at the time when I was doing that, and I said, I want to be a life coach for moms. Everyone in the industry was like, there's no market in that. Why aren't you going into corporate coaching or like performance coaching? And I was like, moms. But that's what everybody does, isn't it? That's what everyone does. And I know, I know I've lived this. Moms need support. They Mm. need this support. And I'm going to be that person for them. So that's exactly what I did, Rose. Like over over a year ago, I set up Mind Mommy Coaching. I set up my Instagram page for it. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll get like two or 300 followers. And over a year, I'm over 7,000 followers now. And it is just incredible that I get to support women on Instagram every day. And I also get to support them in one-to-one life coaching sessions and workshops and it's such a cliche, find what you love and you'll never work a day again in your life. And I found Absolutely. it and it's it's just incredible. But yeah, so that's a little bit a little bit about me and where, where I've come to in my journey. Um, but look, it ended well. It, ended it did, well. it did, it did. And, and your Instagram page is fabulous. It really is. You give so much information and so much support as well. And I love the way you speak one-to-one with mums. You speak as though there's no one else in the room. And as a mum listening to you, I would imagine that it's like as if suddenly the clouds are clearing because certainly I do find I'm very much the first point of contact for a lot of mums when they Mm -hmm. ring the clinic with a baby to come in and see Frank. And, you know, we go through the usual bits, you know, about the the practicalities of booking the appointment, taking the details. And then I'll always ask mum, and how is baby doing? And that's the point when you hear their voice change a little bit they become emotional you can you can hear their story and very much it's exactly what you were saying that they don't feel listened to they they know there's something wrong with baby they're you know it might be colic it might be reflux whatever the story is but they need help and they know they need help and I always reassure them I always make a point of telling them that they're doing a great job because I think a lot of mums need to hear that as well but don't you find that a lot of mums they feel guilty. They, they even say that on the phone to me. They say, oh, I feel so guilty because this is happening to my baby. Yeah. And I should be I should be able to fix that for them. And I don't know yeah. how to do that. Where does that mom guilt, where does that come from? Oh, listen, and I, I hear that every day, Rose. And that yeah. sense of what you're talking about there, that sense of being heard. Mm. I think that's 
that is the biggest response I get from mums on my page and my clients that it's like for the first time ever I feel like someone's listening to me and I know I'm not alone now and and that is the most powerful piece of knowing whatever you're feeling or experiencing or doing I can promise you there's a thousand other women feeling it and there's such comfort and power in that but I think the guilt piece it comes from again it is just this it is this false narrative that is is put around what a good mom does do. And if you do this, that equals being a good mom. And also the lack of support and care that's there for moms. I mean, you look at our, our maternity mm. services. The focus is 100% put on care of the baby and feeding. And, that, and I have had babies in Cork and Dublin, and that has been my experience in both. And there's nowhere in that narrative about how do we take care of you? So as you transition, this is what's going to happen. The whole piece of matrescence, you know, that I've since researched and, and understand yes. about the physical and emotional changes you go through are massive. It's, it's huge. You know, the only other change we go through that's kind of equivalent to it is when we become go from children to teenagers and teenagers to adults. But society well, we have support all... around that. We have, we have, exactly. you know, hopefully our parents, our family, yeah. our peers. There certainly isn't the same level of support when you become a mum. Ideally, you know, some people are very fortunate and they have a very good village as such around yeah. them. But not everybody has that. Yeah, most of us don't. Like they say, mm. like, excuse the pun, but it takes a village to raise a yeah. child. Where, Where is this village? I have where never seen this village. It doesn't exist. So it is very much down to us. And... I believe the way we navigate that transition, you know, and that transition can take years and it happens mm. every time you have a child. It's true, the self-care for ourselves. And when I talk about self-care, it isn't a bubble bath or wine. This is the deeper piece about yes. Yes. how the relationship we have with ourselves, because that is very strongly linked to that mum guilt piece. So it's almost like if you imagine yourself, the word should, when I hear should, it, alarm bells go off in my head. If, if as women, we are constantly saying ourselves consciously or subconsciously you should be doing this you shouldn't be doing that that should is 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 driven by someone else's expectation it's not yours and that is what drives that guilt of I'm not doing it right I'm doing it wrong I'm not good enough you know everyone else is finding it easier why am I the only one that's finding it hard why am I not loving it all the time I must be a bad mom and it's just rubbish it's just rubbish it's not true yes it's not true because and I know this from talking to women every day. We all feel it. None yes. of us know what we're doing. All of us find it hard. It is hard. And that's because it is hard. It's not easy. And we are all doing the very best we can, particularly if we have sick children. I mean, it's hard enough to be a mom. But if you add a sick child into the equation, we're not doctors. We're not pediatricians. We have no idea what we're doing. And so when we are left down by the healthcare professionals, which I 100% was throughout my journey of being a mom, when you're bringing someone to a professional and they're saying they're not supporting you, then that feeds the whole piece again of, oh, maybe I'm imagining this. Maybe it's not as bad as I think. Maybe I'm just doing something wrong. You're not doing yes. something wrong. Your child is sick and they need support and you're just not being supported in it. But another thing actually that I hear a lot from mums is that if they're a first time mum and they go and attend a health professional, that sometimes the health professional will think it's more about them than it is about baby. Yes. But if mm. they're a second or a third time mum, the narrative is different. Instantly, they almost have more credibility because they're a second or a third time mum. And 
the, the health professional takes a little bit more notice of what they say. And for first time mums, that's a big issue for them because their concerns and worries about their baby are just as valid as anybody else. Yeah, I think and and a pediatrician said this to me before and she was 100% right. Your gut will never fail you as a mum. Your mm. gut is always right as a mum and it has never failed me. And I think for any mum that's listening who is experiencing the challenge that I had of nobody listening to you, hold on to that yes. and keep shouting until you get the help you need. It's not you, it's them. I, I always tell mums that as well. And that if, if something is telling you that something else can be done, something more can be done, something isn't quite right, you have to follow that. Yeah, you have to. And in my experience, and like, so we had Al, so we had Leo, who had severe silent reflux. Mm. And then our second little boy, Alex, was born. So he's just turned two now. And mm. this is where my gut instinct has never failed me. There was times with, with Leo where we had to rush him to hospital because he stopped breathing, you know, which can happen <laughs> with severe silent reflux. A National Children's Hospital in Dublin who literally told me, your child does not have silent reflux, he's not vomiting. They didn't know the difference between reflux and silent reflux, and I'm not making this up, Rose. And I said, what if he stops breathing again? Just go home and do CPR. So anyway, (laughs) honestly, and I'm sharing this with mums, because you have to keep shouting. You are their voice. They have no voice. Keep shouting. Your gut is not wrong. Mm. And then even more recently, our little boy, Alex, who has just turned two, he has been diagnosed with autism. Okay. And... My gut was telling me that months ago. I was like, there's something, there's something off here. Mm. And again, I was told from doctors and everyone else, he's fine. Sure, doesn't everyone talk late? No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. There's something underlying here. And I had to fight and fight again for him. I had to fight with public health nurses to get referrals. And I'm still fighting for the support he needs. And I will be fighting continuously for his support. All I would say to a mom going through that now is it's not you. Trust that gut and keep shouting. And if someone is not giving you the support, call someone else, keep going. And most importantly in that process, and it's something that I work a lot with with my mums, is in order for you to care for your children, whether they're sick or not sick, you have to be okay. Like you are the absolute priority. And when I read Alex's report, you know, his his diagnosis, which was a very hard read, Rose, even though I knew it was coming, it floored me. You know, your feelings of anger. Of course yes. Of course, sadness, like everything. But in that moment, my mind shifted to, right, Laura, your self-care has to be the priority now. Your needs have to be met because in order for you to care for him over the next number of years or however long it will be, you have to be okay. You have to so, be in the right place. It's exactly. And hmm. if that was a few years ago, my mind would have went to, oh, no, that's it now, Laura. Everything goes to him. But no, it's, it has to go to me because it, there's a reason they tell you put on your life jacket first on a plane or your mask. You cannot take care of your children unless you're taken care of first. And I yeah. think as women, particularly in Ireland, when we become... the way around, isn't it? Yes, our needs, hmm. we just forget about our needs. We put yeah. everyone else's needs first. Yeah. We're last by, on our own list. Always. We're last on our own list. And by, by doing so, that's when we become overwhelmed. We, we become exhausted you know, we don't have the clarity to figure out what kind of mum we want to be and how to make that happen because we're just so drained. And that is one piece of the work I do with mums is trying to shift that mindset of my needs are valid, they must be met, and how will I meet them so that I can be the best version of me and not find motherhood so hard. And again, that's linked back to none of that is thought to us as we're going through the maternity system in Ireland. It doesn't even feature on the conversation. 
And that is exactly the work I do. And sometimes I feel part of it is trying to explain what I do, because I think when people think of life coaches, they think of this like high performance, motivational person. You know, they think of Tony Robbins on a stage. That's not what I do. I'm more about I whatever you're experiencing. I have probably experienced it. You know, fertility challenges. You know, I've had multiple miscarriages Mm. Uh, navigating an illness with a child. I've done it. I'm going to be doing it for the rest of my life with Alex you know so, so you're speaking from a place of knowledge as well you've been through this I've been through it exactly and that's what I aim to do it's to go whatever you're feeling I've either felt it or or, or I can tell you you're not alone and then how do we navigate that it's a it's a safe space for women to share how they're really feeling a non-judgmental space and and then we go right so what are we going to do about that you know and yeah. part of that is looking at as you say who am I now as a mum you know, what are my values? What are my beliefs? What makes me happy? What do I want from life? And then how can I make that a reality? And any barriers that might be in the way, we we challenge them, you know, so Excellent. so that women can become the best version of themselves, can put their needs first, can be, can find the balance that's right for them, either be it in career or at home, can make these big decisions and feel supported. But most of all, just to get to a place of I'm not alone. <laughs> this actually is the what I'm feeling is the reality of motherhood, not what's out there. And I feel confident that I can make and build the life that I want. I, I love that whole concept. I really do. So who would be your typical client, Laura? I work with mums of all stages. I work with, well, my favorite ones to work with are the ones that are preparing to become mums, because I think like that is the key. If if we can support women while they're pregnant, then we can prepare them for motherhood. And I use the word prepare. It's not about scaring anyone. <laughs> it's yeah, about no, no, explaining no, yeah. like, I love working with them because we go through the whole piece of matrescence, what happens to you physically, emotionally. And then yes. what I call it, like, how do we build almost like your postpartum parachute so that like you, you feel supported. And when you are finding these challenging times in the first few weeks of months, you know what your support system is and you pull in it. I also work with like, let's say a lot of mums who are kind of maybe coming out of maternity leave and heading back to work. And they have a lot of questions around, do I want to go back to work? Do I want to go back to this career? And it's really about supporting them navigate that next step of of being a mum and what that career and that balance looks like. I I work with mums then who can have teenagers and are just like, hold on, for the last 10 or 12 years, I have completely lost myself. I want to find me again. And I want to start doing things that are, are for me. So you know, I work with mums like that, but then I also work with mums who might be recovering from, let's say, postnatal depression. And that's a really lovely one to work with because it's the opportunity to go, how do I want to rebuild my life? What's next? Just any range of challenges that that a, a woman might be experiencing. You know, it could be just conflict in their relationship and they want to see what they can do to help with that. Like anything, any challenge a mum is going through, I will, I can support them with, but equally it could be any opportunity they're looking for. So if they're in a place where they're thinking, I really want to start up my business, I can support them with that too. So it's not always a case of supporting the mums that are feeling, you know, at their lowest. It's also, it's a spectrum. It really is a spectrum. You talk on your page as well about self-limiting beliefs, Laura. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you're so right about that. I always say that the good stuff happens outside our comfort zone. But moving outside where we believe to feel safe, that can be really difficult for people, can't it? Yeah. And, and it is because our like our brains are programmed to stick to things we, we know. Like there's comfort in that. As yes. human beings, we like routines. 
we like to stick to what we know. So any change is challenging because to make a change, it, it's about breaking a habit and habits are, are ingrained. You know, we do them yes. second nature to us. So I would work with mums as well in terms of how do we challenge all of that? And part of it is a, a belief you have or a limiting belief you might have in the sense of, mm. you know, I can't do this. So that could be a confidence piece. It could be, you know, you could have a logistical piece. Yes. It could be a logistical piece. It could be like, I I would call guilt almost a belief. You know, if Mm. you're experiencing mum guilt, that is coming from a belief you have that to be a good mum, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And that is the strongest limiting belief mums have because it's not true. So I will challenge that going, well, where's the evidence that that's what a good mum does? Where did this come from? Is it truly what you believe? Because if it's not what you believe, then we need to push it away. Um, And it's all about, for me, stepping into that space of unknown is about taking tiny, tiny steps and making tiny, tiny changes. Because if you think of it, if you're looking at a stairs, right, and you're at the end of the stairs, if that stairs wasn't there, if those tiny steps were not there, you wouldn't you wouldn't get up to the top. Like you need a mechanism to get up to the top. So I try and help moms get on those first few tiny steps. And once you start climbing that stairs, you just do it without knowing you're doing it then. And suddenly you're up at top, you know. Yes. So one step at a time, isn't it? it, it like everything goes. Yes, one it, step at a time. It is such a cliche, I know. But like, but it's it very is, true. It's very true. And I always say small steps are the most productive steps because you yes. are more likely to go, I'm going to make one tiny change this week. I'm going to push mm. myself this tiny, tiny piece. And eventually you're doing it. So like, and the thing with beliefs, Rose, is sometimes we're not aware they're there. Because they're, they come from childhood, they come from our life experiences, mm. and they're so subtly there that if I said to you, what are your beliefs now, Rose, you probably would name a few. But if we spent a lot of time uncovering it, you might eventually go, I never realized that was a belief of mine, yes. and the impact that has on the decisions I make, and the life I have. And yes. like a really clever trick to uncover a belief is, you know, if a belief or a value because they're linked values you know are linked to our beliefs if 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 you've ever found yourself in a situation where you know if someone does something really small or says something really small and you feel really angry right. <laughs> and you're sort of thinking why is this making me so angry no, I don't understand to this yes yeah and it's playing on your mind and you're like I don't understand generally that is because they have done something that is in direct conflict with one of your values or one of your beliefs but that value or belief is not something you're fully aware of So I think the power to uncovering all of those for us is we have such clarity on why we act and behave in a certain way. And we can really challenge that then if we don't, if we don't like it. But again, for mums, the main belief is around what a good mum should do. And generally, Mm. that's not the belief that we, we actually have. It's what we've been told. And that's what causes those feelings of guilt and doubting ourselves and feeling like we're not doing it right. When in actual fact, you are. You're doing exactly what you need to do. When we compare to someone else or when we look to someone else to inform what we should do, right? And again, I've used the word should. (laughs) That's a lovely word. It's not about what I want to do. We're looking to someone else to go, what are they doing? Maybe I should do that. And when we're doing that, it is generally because it's back to the piece I was saying. We don't have a strong sense of ourselves in terms Mm. of what are our values? What are our beliefs? What do we want and need? Okay. Yes. So when we're in that space of not being sure, 
we looked we look outwards we look at what are, what's everyone else doing what's going on in this magical world of social media where these mums have it all together which i can promise you they absolutely don't that they is don't it's only a corner of their house where they've taken the photographs Listen, together yes it is a split second of their life or yes. we're looking at everyone else so like and, and to bring it back think of a time in your life rose maybe you were learning a new skill or maybe you were starting something that you were unsure of yes I guarantee you were looking to someone else to kind of get input into that yeah. versus when you're in a place in life where you're very secure in what you're doing, you know what you're doing, you've confidence, what everyone else is doing has less of an impact on you because you're very, you're very confident of these are my needs, this is what I'm about and this is what I want to do. So that's kind of, I feel, where that looking outwards comes from. And what I always say to mums is all that matters is what you want and need in life. All that matters is that your children are happy and you're happy. And a great tool I use for this is getting them to visualize, let's say, and it can be a really like emotional thing to do, but imagine your kids are 20 and they're, you know, writing a letter about you and their childhood. Yes. And what do you want them to talk about in that letter? Like, what do you want them to be saying? Do mm. they, do you want them to be saying mommy was stressed all the time? Mommy was sad. Mommy was tired, you know, or do you want them to be saying, mommy loved us and mommy took care of us and mommy was happy you know because that will inform what you do so and it's almost like what you feel will be important to them so we as moms again get this pressure of oh I don't do enough with my kids I don't bring them to the zoo I don't do this and you know what that's not the stuff they remember that's not the the stuff no it's it's not it's the smallest most insignificant things that mean the most to them sometimes, I think. Yeah, yeah. and I mm. think as mums, there's a massive pressure on we're not doing enough. But mm. ask yourself, what does doing enough mean? Like, what will it mean to your kids? What do you want them to say in 20 years? They're not going to write a letter and go, oh, we only went to the zoo once in 2023, so I had a crap childhood. Like, they're, <laughs> they are going to talk about you in a sense of, these are the memories I have. Like, the random Saturday mornings where you're all curled up on the couch, eating cereal, yes. watching cartoons. That's yeah. what they're going to remember. It and you it's time, to- I think. It's time, it's attention, it's connection. That's actually the thing, from my experience with our guys, that's the stuff that they remember most. They don't remember the things you give them. They don't remember a lot of the, the holidays you take them on. The things, the big things, are the things that mean less to them as they grow older. It's the small things, the connections. They're the things that ring true for yeah. them, I think. Yeah. And think of, and a way to connect that back, even as adults, what do we need, right? And it's exactly what we were speaking about at the start of this. Even as mums, we want to be heard. Mm-hmm. We want to feel like someone is listening to us. We want to have that sense of connection with other mums to feel like yes. we're not alone. And we want our needs to be met. Children are no different. So if oh, the best thing we can give our children is mindful time. And I don't mean time in the sense of 12 hours a day. It's about if you can even give them a half hour of your full attention a day. Yes. That's 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 what they'll remember. And this thing again, like this guilt, this guilt about, oh, we're not going on that holiday because I'm conscious people are maybe booking holidays now coming up to the summer. Yes. We won't be booking a holiday this year simply because everything's up in the air with Alex. You know, we don't yeah. know what sensory challenges are there and I don't want to put him in a position where we're putting him on an airplane. So you might feel this guilt of, oh my God, everyone's booking this amazing holiday and they're going here and doing that and we're doing nothing. 
your kids don't care. They you don't. can bring them out the back and get some water and some jugs and they and will literally be have as much fun. Happy. Absolutely. They will just be as happy. So anyway, back to that point. I think the point of where we compare to others, it's, mm. it's down to maybe the lack of clarity on what we want and need from life and how to do it right. And I, I mean right by what's right by you, not what's right by everyone else. By somebody else. And then a great tool for visualizing that is what do you want your kids to say about you in 20 years? What do you want them to remember? And once you have that clear in your head, then what needs to happen for them to say that? What are the changes you need to make in your life so that that later will become a reality? And if part of what you want them to say is mommy was happy, you know, mommy had time for us. Well, the first step in that is you have to take care of your needs. It's not going to happen unless your needs are met. Your basic needs, like your sleep, your nutrition, all of that, but also your wider needs, your fulfillment needs, your having a sense of meaning in life. Because again, as mums, we can feel this guilt over if we're working. What does your career give you? Obviously financial needs, but if it's giving you a sense of meaning and fulfillment and that social aspect, then it's something that has to happen in your life, you know, for you to be able to be that happy, caring mum for them. And I know since I started Mind Mommy Coaching, I am a completely different person. You know, Mm. I'm a better partner to my husband. I am more mindful and enjoy my kids more, even though I am just as busy and just as stressed with work. But it's a different thing. I I finally find my sense of meaning, my purpose. I have this outlet that is something else that is just for me. And it's funny, I'm working on a post now tonight for social media where, you know, people are asking me, how do you manage? Because I only have 12 hours of childcare a week, which is a whole other story. How are you doing it? And I'm kind of giving them tips and techniques. And what they're going to be shocked about is in that my self-care is prioritized. I actually schedule in self-care for me, whatever that is. And part of that self-care is not just doing practical things, but by being really kind and gentle with yourself. So when I feel a bit of guilt cropping up for myself, I catch it and I rationalize it and I go, where is this coming from? That's not true. Go away. You know, I'm doing the best I can. Or if I feel that little inner critic going, shouldn't have said that. You didn't do that right. You didn't do enough. I catch it and I flip it to go. I did the best I could given the day I have, you know. Yes. And And just be kinder to yourself. I think that's something that a lot of mums would benefit from, isn't it? Just being kinder to yourself. Definitely, because I think self-care is such a buzzword right now. And I feel sometimes it nearly puts more pressure on us as mums because it's like another thing we have to do right. (laughs) Another thing we're doing or not doing right. And for me, it's about if you can just think of it in the perspective of building a really lovely relationship with yourself and talk to yourself in a really kind way. That's that is self-care, because if you do that, you will then be better equipped to make other decisions that are right for you. Can I ask you, you know, the way um, it's like this superwoman syndrome, I think it's called, whereby women take on so much of the practical and emotional workload of family life. um, And it can feel very overwhelming, you know, just small little things that when they all add up together, you feel as though you're doing 99% of the things that are needed to be done for the home, the house, the family mm-hmm. to work. What would be your advice to a mum who's feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all of that? Yeah, and I mean, there's a reason we do that as women, because we are poor. We're better at nurture. it, Laura. We're better well, at it. Scientifically, we multitask better. So mm. that's just, that's fact. That's not my opinion. And, you know, we are more nurturing. So, you know, even, even as a mum, like we are programmed when we hear a child cry, that it, it elicits a certain reaction in us because 
nature developed that so we would care for the baby right men don't have that to the extent we have it's not that they don't have it but not to the degree we have so just stand back and be aware you're doing this from a place of love right you're doing this because you want everyone to be happy you want people to feel taken care of and that's really positive however it doesn't mean you have to do everything and you know, a very practical thing I might do with mums is like, I know this sounds basic, literally get a pen and paper and write out everything that happens in a day. So what needs to happen for the house to function? I mean, like, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, all of that. What needs to happen for your kids to be taken care of? The basic thing like dressing, bathing, feeding, playing, whatever it is, childcare drop-offs, homework. And what needs to happen for you to be taken care of? So we'll split it by like home, children, you. Okay. Yes. Write it all out. Literally write it out for 24 hours. Keep a diary. You're probably saying 24 hours. Yes, I want sleep included in that too. I want to see how many hours you're sleeping, when you're going to sleep, what that looks like. And then sit back and reflect on that list and think, what is on that list that I absolutely have to do? You know, so, right, I have to feed people. I have to eat. I have to sleep. All of this has to happen. What are the things on that list that I want to do? So they're kind of like nice to haves. So... I don't know, I'm, I'm making buns, you know, I'm baking, I'm, you know, spending that little extra half hour at work, because I just want to feel a little bit more organized the next day, I'm doing whatever it is. So there's the absolutely has to have for survival, there's kind of the nice to do's. And then the third ones are the shoulds. And again, you know me and shoulds. Yes. The shoulds (laughs) are the things you're doing, because you feel you should do them. You feel Mm. pressure to do them. So is it that you are cooking this organic food like five days a week? You don't need to do that. Is it that you are like eliminating a hundred percent of screen time? And I know there might be professionals shouting at me here now. You don't need to do that. You know, is it that you are doing things in your life because you feel pressure to do them, but by doing them, they're it's actually creating work. It's creating work. It's creating, mm. it's impacting your mental health, well-being. It's impacting the relationship you have with your partner so look at that and then you you get rid of the shoulds. And I know this sounds so yeah. simple, but you stop doing them. So yeah. like if you're finding there's a time of day where things are really like bottlenecks, chaotic. So let's say in the morning, you're trying to get everyone's lunches. You're trying to get everyone's breakfast. Everyone's crying. You know, it's chaotic. And yeah. again, there's probably a healthcare professional shouting at me now. If that means five minutes of screen time for you to get through that, th- then what's the impact? What's the impact? Everything in moderation. If your child has frozen pizza one day for dinner, what's the impact? And yes. I know that's not something you do all the time, but as mums, we are very hard on ourselves and everything in moderation. Because at the end of the day, think of your letter that your children are going to write. If having pizza one day a week is going to make them feel happy and cared for and you happier so that that letter happens, then have the pizza once a week. So that thing about that sense of overwhelm in the home in a day to day, that is linked to that letter. Because if we want that letter to be what we want it to say, we need to start looking at what's happening now. And make changes. And make changes. And and your day to day is where the changes happen. It's the small things. It's not the big things. Yes, I agree. I agree. And just finally, Laura, just to go back to that mum with the the reflux baby or the baby who's very distressed. She's exhausted. She's treading water almost um, at her wit's end trying to find help for herself and her baby. Yeah. What would be your top tip for that mum today? First top tip I've lots is she needs to take care of herself. She needs to, because you've said it there, at her wit's end trying to take care of her baby and herself, right? 
get support for yourself first. I don't mean first, but like it has to happen in parallel. It has so, to be part of the picture. Yes. Yeah. If if you feel like you need therapy or someone like a life coach to support you through that, seek out that help. If yes. you need to get support in for other people, ask them. Do not be afraid to ask for support. You are not dealing with the cha- the normal challenge of being a mum. You are now dealing with that plus more. And and one thing from this is I remember watching Fair City with my mom five years ago, and Leo was yeah. screaming. And I was so exhausted at the time. And I remember there was a baby out in a buggy in one of the scenes. And I was like, mom, what's she doing with her baby outside in a pram? Like, oh, <laughs> like yeah. literally, I was like, what's she? And mom was like, but, but Leo is sick, Laura. He's sick. You can't bring him for a walk like that. And it was the first realization of, right, I'm dealing with something extra here. It's yeah. not just the typical. So take care of yourself in parallel. You cannot fight for the support your child needs. You cannot take care of them. You cannot do any of that unless your needs are being met. You're probably dealing with sleep deprivation. Very you know, likely. Yes. Very likely. You are probably dealing with anxiety, you know, around the fear and all of that that causes, oh, my God, how many hours of crying are we going to have today? In my case, it was like, are we going to have to go to hospital today for fluids? Oh, am I going to yeah. get the fluids into them? You know, how am I going to get him to eat? So you're probably feeling anxious you're probably feeling really angry because nobody wants to be in this situation and you might be feeling a little bit of guilt, but be kind to yourself. Part of taking care of yourself is you did nothing to do to to ask for this. You didn't cause this and Mm. you're doing everything you can. So take care of yourself. That's the first thing. And the second thing is shout until your throat hurts, until you get the support you need. Keep shouting. And if you're not happy with what one doctor is doing with you, go to another doctor, find a pediatrician, Keep going because you know your baby best. You're their voice. They don't have a voice and keep shouting. Yeah. Love and that. And then the third, the third bit is it will end. And I know that's the cliche of everyone. Yes. It used to send a shiver up my spine when they'd go, oh, they'll grow out of it. It's not, I don't want to say that, but just be aware that this is probably one of the most challenging things you will ever go through. It definitely was for me. And mm-hmm. that's, and I've experienced two miscarriages since I'm navigating an autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Some really challenging things have happened to me since. But there is nothing more horrendous than what that experience was with Leo. So yeah. accept that this is really hard. It's not nice, but it is going to end. Yeah. It is. So just do what you have to do. Think short term to get yourself through this, to make sure you're OK and your baby's OK. I, we leave it there. Um, I really, really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day. Now that I know you've only 12 hours of childcare a week, I really appreciate it even more. So thank you ever so much. When is your next workshop, Laura? I have one next Wednesday night. So next that Wednesday is about night. how to balance career and motherhood. Okay. So basically it's about like stepping back and looking at your entire life and seeing what small changes need to be made so you feel a little bit less overwhelmed. And then the next one is about how to be more organized and get back time in your day. So it's that piece I was talking about. Yes. We can make more time, but we can look at what we're doing and get rid of the things that are not adding meaning. So it's about getting rid of those things. Oh, and sure. find what yes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Thanks to Laura for joining me today on the Happy Baby Podcast. You can find Laura on Instagram at MindMommyCoaching and her website is MindMommyCoaching.com. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening.